I am Alex Clements and I am Peggy Lorimer and we are paranormal investigators of corporeal and ethereal threats but they're not always that threatening. Yes, sometimes the paranormal can affect people's lives in really unusual ways and we've met a few who feel that allegedly dark forces have improved their lives. We want to know why and find out if we've sometimes had the wrong end of the exorcism stick. And I would like to say Hello, listeners. I believe you exist now, thanks to a thong which was posted to us, care of our local library. I want you to know that I read the review which you had thoughtfully annotated and posted with the thong. I read it, and I still don't care. They're repellent, and bringing me to the attention of the local librarians in this way will not move me. If anything, you wouldn't be moved to such extreme acts if your pants were comfier. Um, but we're always really happy to engage with our listeners, aren't we, Peg? There's limits, Alex. Receiving a thong in the post? That's a limit. Just think of it as fan mail. And our interviewee today actually genuinely really contacted us through our website. She even found the website and everything. See, Peg, I told you www.clementslorimeretherealinvestigations.co.uk wasn't too long. And I said I didn't mind because I don't want to learn how to blog. And if no one sees it, I won't have to. But yes, our interviewee today contacted us with a story of an unusually targeted supernatural occurrence in a museum. Thanks for letting us visit you at work. Um, we're really, really excited to be on location. Uh, please introduce yourself, Bobby. Um, that's a really interesting name. Bobby Queensbury. Yes, Bobby as in Roberta. I was a tremendous fan of the Railway Children. Oh my God, like that Bobby Queensbury. No, no, not the Bobby Queensbury who was featured on the Cook Report as the worst plumber in Milton Keynes and a habitual dogfighter. That's Queensbury, B-E-R-R-Y. I'm Queensbury, B-U-R-Y, Bury. Not that it matters when a woman in the post office is stamping your forms in a very aggressive manner, even though you're clearly not a 70-year-old man. You know, I've often found that wandering innocently into a post office is a bit like being an extra on a soap opera. You're not entirely sure of what's just been said, and there's a simmering undercurrent of slap in the air. There's a woman in our local post office who always looks at me like she just knows. Knows what, Alex? I don't know, and that makes it worse. Apologies, Bobby. This kind of derailment will tend to happen. But perhaps you could start by telling us a little more about your experience. Where to begin? Um, well, as you can see, I work in a historic building. I shouldn't tell you exactly which one, but God, we need the visitors, so it's Cortell Castle. There's a website, um, you know, if you're looking. I'm the head tour guide and curator. I love country houses. You're so lucky you get to be here all the time. Uh, yes, you seem a bit familiar, if you know what I mean. I suppose it's a benevolent haunting, but on a very personalised level, where it's a good thing when I'm being haunted, but it drives everyone else mad. So you're not the only one experiencing the supernatural phenomena? No, if I was to describe it, I would say she moves with purpose, as it were. She? Do you know the identity of the apparition? Oh, please, 
Don't say it's a guardian angel or a deceased grandparent. It might be, but it's just as likely it's a dopey emanation that thinks it's waiting for a bus. People who don't talk to the dead get terribly sentimental about it all. I'm sure. Well, I have my suspicions, all right. Well, I should say I've gone for the more glamorous guess rather than the mundane one. A bit like people who think they have past lives, really. Of course you're a queen in a past life, because you're not going to daydream about being a night sword man or a mudlark, are you? How do you mean? Well, a lot of people have died in a lot of places, I suppose, haven't they? And I don't imagine every wailing apparition ties up so neatly with the story of the bride who burned on her wedding day, for example. Um, I suppose it's just as likely to be the wailing spectre of a long-forgotten blacksmith who was struck by lightning, isn't it? But you can't really sell that in the country house game. Oh, I have to admit, your perspective is very refreshing, Bobby. Well, I'm in the museum game for the history, but I know what keeps people coming through the doors. I can jam some knowledge in them while they're there and squeeze a donation out of them on the way out. My dissertation was on the development of the Regency Teaspoon, and I know how a good tea shop helps the overheads. I love museum shops and teaspoons. Do you have souvenir teaspoons? And can I have one? I'm trying to start a collection, but I keep forgetting to buy them when I'm in places. And Peggy thinks it's not the same if you buy a souvenir online when you come home. It isn't the same. And at least if you buy them when we're on holiday, I have a chance to talk you out of it. So, how did your haunting start, Bobby? Right. So, I've worked at Cortell Castle for 15 years. I have a background in Irish material culture, um, you know, the study of the objects we use. Cortell's a treasure trove. Most of its owners have been rampant hoarders, thank God. Have you ever seen a Regency toilet brush? No. We have three of them. I don't, I don't want to know, and yet I feel compelled. I'm going to ask you to show me them after we do this interview. Oh, I will. I absolutely will. People love the toilet brushes. But this sounds like a brilliant place to work. And you've got ghosts as well. High-level spectral manifestations. Have you seen any rust or mushrooms? Rust and mushrooms. Alex has several theories involving spectral interference on ferrous metals. And there's something about mushrooms. But I don't really understand it. Oh, well... Not that I've noticed as unusual, but as you can see, even from my office, it's an old building. There's going to be rust and uh, mushrooms, I suppose. Still, though... Sorry, Bobby, we're getting sidetracked. How did your haunting start? Cortell Castle has a few ghost stories. Everywhere does, in my experience. I never paid it any mind. Just a bit of a passing mention when we brought visitors through the ladies' sitting room. You know, a valet saw a grey shape in 1902, died of apoplexy a day later with his pockets full of stolen spoons. Did that really happen? Yes, um, Phelim Curlew. It was quite a story at the time. According to some letters I've seen, he wasn't much missed by the female staff, if you know what I mean. Oh, I absolutely do, unfortunately. So you didn't see anything yourself, to begin with? No, no, not until a couple of years ago. It was, um... It was a bit of a rough time. Can I say shit? Oh, please do. Well, it was really shit, to be honest, girls. The menopause hit me like a ton of bricks, and the flushes were something else. I know it'll sound like paranoia, but... There had been some staffing changes, and 
They were angling to get rid of me for new blood. I mean, for fuck's sake, sorry. But really, do you know what they wanted? More diverse perspectives for the exhibitions and the tours. Which is great, but how could that be achieved exactly by filling the staff with posh 23-year-olds who want to jump into an events career? It's beyond me. That doesn't sound promising. I'm not necessarily a fan of youthful viewpoints, but then a lot of the viewpoints I hear tend to be those of people in their 80s who are dead. Peggy is a medium, Bobby, so she sometimes has to listen to people that giving out about how cars will never catch on and complaining that nobody wears a bustle anymore. Oh, right, God. I can see how that's a bit taxing. We get a lot of older tour groups, but depending on how rough the bus was on their joints, they can be a little ticked off on the day. Well, yes. And did you know that, unfortunately, joint-based griping remains even after the joints are no longer corporeal? Oh, I can imagine. Well, I won't go into all the details of my anus horribilis, but there was the time sweat streamed down my face while I gave a talk on Edwardian undergarments, like a bishop in a sex shop. God, and the near permanent blushing as well. I couldn't keep a style in my hair. I had to resort to a bun most of the time. Makeup was sliding off in seconds. I looked like I spent my time working in a laundry in the 1800s. Oh, you poor thing. Ah, stop. That's what I got all the time. These dewy and doughy 23-year-olds looking at me horrified, acting like I'm about to die of old age in front of them. Gosh, Bobby, do you want to sit down? Do you want a nice cup of tea? And to be honest, they weren't the worst. It's probably only slightly their faults that they'd never had a conversation with an older woman who didn't respond to mum. But as with all scenarios involving children, there was a ringleader. Oh God, I'm feeling attention, Tommy, already. Oh, Alex was not at her happiest in school. I think you're giving her a few flashbacks. When she received an invite to a school reunion a few years ago, I had to stop her from trying to sage smudge the bad vibes out of her laptop. It would have been more trouble than it was worth, so I convinced her that it wasn't actually impolite to block instead. I have actually never looked back. You can't. That's the beauty of the block. Sorry, Bobby. Tell us more about your mean girl. Yeah, God. She was a piece of work. This one. I'll call her Caroline Anya, which is an awful name, but close enough if you know what I mean. Her mother was a higher-up, which went away to explaining how she managed to get a contract position straight after her marketing diploma. So, you can probably imagine the type, but picture tea dresses, self-conscious quirks, never picked up a box if she could ask someone else to do it for her, lots of please help and gosh I'm so weak and small, and oh, I'm so terribly bloody cold. Bobby? Yes? You went a bit all caps there. I... Yes. Okay. Fair enough. I can see how some of this will need a bit of context. We hired a crop of four new guides in the spring when we opened back up. Usual drill. We'd get them oriented with our routines, the tours we'd give, and smoothly keeping our programme of events running. We do a lot of programs with the local schools, partner with the local IT for the horticultural course. You know the kind of thing. And you know the way there's always that person on a local committee who wants to do something involving a talk and a 
string quartet in a stately home. Yes, there's a definite type, isn't there? Thank God for them. What we essentially do is the meat and potatoes of keeping visitor engagement and making sure the local area has the place as a resource for education. I've had new guides panic in their first week when they realise there's quite a lot of customer service involved in the job. I don't actually know what they thought it was going to involve, dusting maybe, thinking about history. We call that type the cameo polishers. It is unfortunately a very sad reality that all jobs involve the public in some way. Well, even the dead are a kind of public, aren't they, Peg? Yes, I do feel like I function as a kind of complaint desk for the post-living. I can imagine. Well, Caroline Anya seemed to think that a lot of our outreach work didn't count as outreach, in so much as it didn't reach out to the sectors of the community that she had an interest in talking to. She seemed to want to do society events and court the Instagram crowd and gussy up the house. I gently reminded her that we cover art of this in our tours and that this would be a bit hypocritical. How do you mean? I do like a dog filter on Instagram though. Have you ever tried it on a dog? It's really creepy. Exactly. Our historical portraits are their equivalent, minus the dog aspect obviously. We have a little exhibition space where we show side by sides with the portraits and then what the sitters would have actually looked like. You know, with actual smallpox scars, wooden teeth, for example. So, as I say, I explain to Caroline Anya that our remit is the full history of the house and its place in the history of the town. It's not the first time I've had to have this conversation, but I was in the midst of the perimenopause this time and dealing with a particular type of cow. Hmm. So what happened? I became the focus of Caroline Anya's sympathies. I swear, she must have suspected I was going through the menopause and she would not stop alluding to it. Oh, Bobby, you're looking a little sweaty. Do you want to borrow my face powder? The label says it's good for mature skin. Oh, Bobby, is that Alpro yogurt in the canteen yours? I just wouldn't have thought you'd be eating soya because, well, you know. But that's awful. That's mean. Yeah, but you can't prove it. I wasn't sleeping, you know. You don't sometimes with the night sweats. I thought I was cracking up. Felt like I was being watched all the time for signs of madness and old age. And the whole time she was angling, having little chats with the general manager, talking a lot about having fresh ideas, but never actually coming up with one. But by far the worst thing was the Reynolds complaint. I was keeping a fan in the tour office, just so I'd be a bit fresher in case of a flash. What Caroline Anya decides to do, without even talking to me, is make a complaint to HR stating that she has Raynaud's disease and can't bear to be in a cold or cool environment. In case our listeners are unaware, Raynaud's disease affects the circulation, usually in the hands and feet. It causes the affected parts to become numb or painful. I've got a touch of it and it's a bugger. Yes, you drop all the nice teacups. Exactly. It is a bugger. And I am 100% certain that Caroline Anya was not suffering from it 
in the midst of a June heat wave. But what could I do? I put my fan off and put up with it. But she kept on with the snide remarks, asking if I was tired. Did I need a rest? You know the kind of thing. Please tell me your ghost threw something at her. Alex, not everything can be solved by ghosts dropping buckets on people for comedic value. Go on, Bobby. Well, we had an alleged resident ghost, as I mentioned, who was often to be found in the ladies' sitting room. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with their function, but that was where wealthy women would go for a bit of peace and quiet, getting dressed and so on. They'd also have visitors, so it was a bit like teenage girls in a dressing room. Um, I'll actually take you to it. It's just down here. Are you all right recording while you walk? Oh, yeah. If you can cover it in rubber and gaffer tape, Alex has done it. Nothing like a bit of gaffer. Now, this one is a bit unusual because one of the earliest ladies of the house, Marguerite Cortell, spent about ten years virtually imprisoned in that room in her bedroom. Dear God, I have a lot of reasons not to read historical romances, and that's one of them. Well, she married the lord of the castle, William Cortell was by all accounts a bastard and he and his mother undermined her and effectively she was a decorative air getter. She couldn't even run her own home so she ended up confined to her dressing room. You'll laugh at this but when the restoration work was going on the paper from that period was yellow. The poor woman was genuinely imprisoned in a yellow wallpapered room. Oh my goodness I definitely wouldn't laugh at that. Do you mean her husband and her mother-in-law locked her in this room? Nothing so gothic. We have some of her letters to the family, thank God for historical hoarders, and she was just prevented from doing anything. She couldn't run the house, give orders to the staff, check the household budgets. She was a smart, healthy woman. She couldn't do much anyway in the 1820s, but to be prevented from even doing that? Madness. The mother-in-law sounded like a dose. Her and her son acting like he wasn't even married. And then, poor Lady Marguerite doesn't even get to outlive him, dying of consumption after ten years of marriage and no heirs. The ultimate cliché. I think a lot of historical deaths boil down to boredom. Poor Lady Marguerite. I hope she throws things. Lady Marguerite's spectral manifestation deserves to throw things. Well, this is where the haunting got a bit interesting. Apparently, that's not Lady Marguerite's style at all. It seems that after a life of not being allowed to run the house, she's a bit attached to doing it now. She's into everything. She's still very much the lady of the house and she's willing to use her cold spot to prove it. This is the good stuff. Alex, a little decorum, please. We're meant to pretend we don't feel like that. We're used to this. I take it that Caroline Ornia managed to annoy Lady Marguerite. Is that right, Bobby? Well, exactly right. The vain little cow was expounding on her desire to remove some of the women's history exhibits on the basis that they were dreary. We happened to keep a lot of these items in Lady Marguerite's sitting room. There was myself, Caroline Anya, and one of the managers. We all felt the temperature drop. And the manager, ever so solicitous, said, Oh, Caroline Anya, it's gotten awfully nippy. Are your poor hands okay? Obviously it didn't bother her in the slightest, but she rushed from the room looking for attention. 
I, on the other hand, stayed in there because it was bloody lovely. Oh, like a cool, malevolent breeze. Exactly. And while I was on my own in there, I may have said thank you. Oh, you'd be surprised how many supernatural encounters are spurred by basic politeness. And other encounters. I feel very affectionately towards people who say please and thank you. And who use hello in emails and commas. You haunt people for that now, Alex. There's a website Alex visits for glass scientific equipment, and she's been sending Julie from the customer service team Christmas and birthday cards for the past two years, purely based on Julie's business correspondence. Yes, but if we weren't particularly friendly, she wouldn't have told me a birthday, would she? Many people respond to a direct question with an honest answer out of surprise, not a genuine desire to bond. But I do appreciate that we rarely have to queue when we get the weekly shop. Oh, why's that? Alex is in a WhatsApp group of the staff, and he, she's also somehow part of their secret Santa. We mainly swap pictures of dogs with jobs and cats in hats. But the long and the short of it is, we walk in to get a few bits. The minute we join a queue for the checkout, another checkout magically opens. Jesus, that's lovely. I try to bypass the queues by using the self-service tills, but sometimes my self-esteem just can't take it. Well, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Standing by myself in Lady Marguerite's sitting room as the temperature dropped. Caroline Anya had just run out of the womb and between the cold air and some of the leaflets flapping from Lady Marguerite's tantrum, it was really restful. I could actually feel my makeup settling back in place and I turned to the manager Liz and said, well, changing the focus of the sitting room exhibit would be quite a large undertaking and unfortunately poor Caroline Anya doesn't seem quite prepared yet. And then we walked out and I felt as bitchy as if I were in dynasty. I would have cheered. Oh, people frown upon cheering for supernatural reasons in cultural institutions, Alex, as you well know. I could have cheered. I definitely wanted to smirk a bit, but I wasn't certain of what had happened until a few days later. We were having a staff meeting, usual budgets, nonsense, future programming, and Caroline Anya would not shut up. The room was boiling. You know how older buildings can be absolutely airless. Well, I had to present a plan for an event with a new client. Quite high paying and long term if we could close it. And this meeting was already 45 minutes over time. I was sitting, waiting and sweating as Caroline Anya waffled about influencers and shooting viral videos on the grounds. And finally, as I stood up to start my slideshow, she looked at my sweating face and smirked. Bitch. Bitch! And her glass bottle of kombucha, you know the one, it looks like pee. It tipped all over her and she had to shuffle past everyone to get out to the loo. I, on the other hand, found myself standing at the top of the room in a gloriously chilly spot. And I know two things for certain. That glass bottle tipped like an invisible cat knocked it over and everyone else who stood at the front of that room during that meeting were not any cooler. It was just done for me. A cool breeze is lovely though. Yes, even if I had only seen Caroline Anya get her drink all over her, I would have felt better during that presentation, but both? That was definitely on purpose. And it kept happening. When I was doing tours, nice cool breeze all the way. I looked better, makeup stayed on, hair stayed nice, 
my emergency roll-on deodorant stayed in my bag. When Caroline Anya did tours, I would see her shivering. In my office downstairs, same thing. I was perfectly cool. She was wearing her jacket and a woolly hat all day. I'd walk in to find her checking that the windows were shut, trying to turn on the ancient radiator. She even got a draft excluder in July. Well, Lady Marguerite, that seems malicious, even by my standards. I know, and I almost felt sorry for her, but Caroline Onya was still awful. She complained to HR that I was hiding a fan in the office, which was met with sad smiles all round. She was also going on a bit of a sustainability crusade, demanding that we join the 21st century by only offering gluten-free vegan catering in the cafe and at events. Sure, offer, but to only offer vegan and gluten-free. And this is where we come to Lady Marguerite's next trick. Oh, good Lord. Lady Marguerite does seem unusually active, doesn't she, Peg? I think she's making up for all the bossing around she didn't get to do as a lady of the housewife while she was still alive. Well, anyway, we have an amazing cafe chef, Kevin. He looks like a PG Tips chimp, and I want to take him home and keep him. Um, Bobby! Don't, don't worry, he knows he looks like a PG Tips chimp, in case he's listening. Um, he's... He's just lovely, his ears. Oh, I do love those monkeys. I find it difficult to grasp the nettle of my own cynicism when confronted by a monkey in dungarees. But then I remember those chimpanzees were forced to perform tricks for the advertising industry and all my cynicism comes rushing back. But the initial moment is nice. Well, that's fair. Um, but anyway, for as long as I've worked there, once a month, Kevin does a staff lunch and it's a roast in a roll and it is the best thing you will ever eat. And Kevin the lamb had dropped up everyone's lunches and he'd left them in the canteen fridge. And for Caroline Anya, fresh falafel in a roll because I'm a bit of a wagon, but we wouldn't leave someone out. Anyway, by the time it's lunchtime, the staff descend on the canteen and find out that Caroline Anya has thrown out most of the rolls in the fridge. I would slap her, I would. You slapped that air steward's hand once on the way to Oslo, remember? I wasn't finished. I still had half a Loganberry bun. We were lucky we weren't put off the plane. Well, not for that. I bet I wasn't the first one. I'm still shocked that Caroline Anya wasn't murdered. She had some sort of story about how she didn't know they were fresh. She was worried about spoiled meat in the fridge. Awful liar. She blamed it on having a fear of meat from her full six months as a vegan. But the Bright Sparks and HR decided they'd need to provide a separate fridge for the vegans, or in this case for Caroline Anya. And then I discovered that Lady Marguerite's talents weren't purely restricted to temperature. So she started turning Caroline Anya's fridge off so her soy yogurt would stink. Of course, Caroline Anya just bullied poor Kevin the lamb into making her salads, so the trick got nastier. I think Lady Marguerite was turning the fridge off overnight and then back on in the morning. Caroline Anya ended up eating cold, spoiled food and spent three days with the runs before she realised. Now, it was only one day with the runs before I realised, but I'm a wagon. So, let me guess. She quit, never to return again. Not immediately. She shivered in increasingly large cardigans until the autumn, still making nasty comments about ageing occasionally. 
but it's hard to take someone seriously when you've had to bring them a spare pair of tights in the loo after a food poisoning incident. And did Lady Marguerite stop? No, thank God. I still have a cold spot following me most days, but she seems to be a bit more active with her busybodying around the museum. And she keeps fiddling with poor Kevin's oven. She has a taste for rare meat and no respect whatsoever for modern food safety standards. I actually caught her once, so now I put an intern to cleaning silverware while Kevin's cooking. She'll tend to stay in the silverware display while that's happening because she thinks all interns are thieves. She's not particularly modern. I tell you what, we'll head down and we'll just see if she's keeping a watchful eye. This is a really good collection of spoons. Do you know, it's a bloody good one. I wonder if any of them were in Phelan Curlew's pockets when he died. If Phelan Curlew is a very oily looking Edwardian guy, he's standing, no, no, he's lurking by the cabinet in the far corner. And uh, whatever his pockets are full of, it's not spoons. Oh, God. Shite bag. Lady Marguerite, your ladyship, we have a silver key. Wow, even I felt that. Oh, she was like a galleon composed entirely of bullgown. That was very enjoyable, and I don't say that lightly. He forgot he was non-corporeal and sort of splattered himself against the glass doors before scarpering. Little shit. Oh, bless her. That'll keep her occupied for a while, give the interns a bit of a chance to replace some of the labelling. I didn't realise Phelan Curlew was still around, though. I'm just glad there's someone to make sure he gets what's coming to him and keeps getting it. Alex, um, if you want a souvenir spoon in the gift shop, I get it now while she's busy. And that, dear listeners, is Bobby's story of menopausal redemption at the hands of a spirit. Although Lady Marguerite was, in life, more sinned against than sinning, I think we can agree she is a useful, as Bobby called her, a useful wagon in death. I think we should go back to Cortel Castle. I'd very much like to check the ironwork after all that activity. And eat a roast beef sandwich? Yes. Do you like your new spoon? I really do. It's even a bit rusty. It's magic. Bye, Bye listeners. listeners. And now for our cottage update. After the Elise incident, we called Robert the solicitor. He was quite upset because he had brought Brenda to the garden centre that day so that we could get into the cottage, but then she gave him the slip when he was looking at some geraniums. He had been hoping to bring her for a scone and get her to see some sense after they had chosen the right geraniums. I don't know why he thought geraniums were going to help. I don't know either. Maybe it has some sort of interior symbolism for them. But anyway, to apologise, Brenda has sent some chocolates from a budget German supermarket. I really like chocolate seashells, so I don't hold the fact that she went for the budget apology option against her. But I'm not going to say which supermarket it was. We do not have sponsored content on this podcast. Yes, um, she's also blaming the Elise incident on a possession said that we of all people should understand she is lying and also her exact wording was you freaks should get that a ghost made me do it um yes she is also still quite convinced that she should have her hobby cottage 
So we have, in fact, contacted a ghost to make her do something. Yes, my Granny Rose. Brenda lived with Granny Rose for, like, a really long time. And Granny Rose knows her secrets. So does Grandar Harry, but he exclusively haunts the local church because not going straight to heaven has not diluted his strong Catholicism. He didn't really want to take a break from doing decades of the rosary, like decades over decades, to tell us any secrets, Peggy. Um, Granny Rose had no such qualms. And that's all we're saying, because family. Family. Were you re-watching the Fast and the Furious saga? Again? No. Okay, I won't say anything else. I'm not going to embarrass you on a recording. Because of family, Peg? Yeah, sure. Because of family.